This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, good morning. I'm Roshan Kanesan and welcome to the all-new Resource Centre, your one-stop shop for insights, strategies and tools to help you build, grow and manage your business. It is uh, still the first week of 2024 and we are taking a look at uh, a whole bunch of things that you should be preparing for as a business for the year to come by reviewing 2023. And 2023 saw the introduction and acceleration of a few key things in the tax space. That's T-A-X, not T-E-C-H for businesses, which includes things like the increase to the SST, capital gains tax on disposal of unlisted shares by companies, the charging and levying of a sales tax on low-value goods sold online, and this was effective January 1st, and of course, the acceleration of the e-invoicing timeline. So to kickstart the new year, on an incredibly exciting, refreshing note here on Resource Centre. We're going to be talking about all those key tax-related developments for businesses in 2023 and how they will need to navigate them in 2024. And helping us with this is Tinesh Kana, Executive Director at Tratax. If you have any thoughts or questions that you'd like to ask or get into, you can WhatsApp us on our U-Mobile number. That's 018-789-8899. Once again, that's our U-Mobile number. 018-789-8899 if you'd like to WhatsApp us if you have any thoughts or questions. Uh, Tinesh, Happy New Year and uh, welcome to the show. It's good to see you again. Happy New Year, Roshan. Happy New Year, everyone. So, I think as the introduction covered there, uh, to kickstart 2024, a bunch of notable taxes are going to be, or new policies are going to be coming into the uh, into the fray, and we're going to be talking about all of them, right? So the the low and high value goods tax, the capital gains tax, the invoicing, service tax, and of course, global minimum tax, which is uh, going to be progressing this year. But aside those five key topics, is there anything else that businesses should be aware of uh, for this year? I think, first of all, I'd like to say uh, congratulations, uh, Roshan and uh, BFM, for having tax um, as the topic on the second work day <laughs> of the week. And I think that's quite reflective of how uh, society and businesses have evolved. Mm. Um, I think there was a time where um, a decade ago, probably if a tax guy or finance guy call, get called to a board, they said, hey, make sure our effective tax rate is... Uh, uh, hopefully, we're not overpaying it. Mm. Today, we get called in to say, are we okay? Are we sure we are not going to get any penalty? <laughs> so that's um, that's how it has changed. And also, the society and businesses have also begun to view, um, you know, how can I do things um, in a tax-efficient way that um, gives me a competitive advantage over pricing, if you talk about indirect tax, for example, or um, to have a tax deduction. And a tax deduction essentially means you get a quarter of your cost subsidized at a tax rate of 24%, a quarter of your cost subsidized by the government. So that um, evolution, I think, is well reflected by having tax as the um, as the New Year topic, if I may say. And yeah, I think if you look at 2023, we had, um, we had a good year for Malaysia in terms of uh, approved investments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 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 a big theme emerged around uh, renewable energy, data centers under ICT and uh, certain service sectors as well. And of course, tax is not the only reason why investors come into Malaysia, but that's definitely <laughs> one uh, factor that cannot be ignored. So a lot of uh, tax incentives have also emerged in 20- or announced in 2023 that would be implemented in 
2024, if you like. That includes um, um, investment tax allowance on uh, reinvestment. So which means for certain high value sectors like E&E, semiconductor, where we Malaysia already has a competitive advantage in terms of the having ready infrastructure, we are focusing incentives around those um, critical sectors and um, and offering investment tax allowance even for reinvestment, not only for new investment, but reinvestment. Essentially, this, um, this tax holidays um, um, based on CapEx um, doesn't only bring in new investment and employment opportunity, but also... Um, these conditions have these exemptions do have conditions attached to it. For example, yeah. a vendor development program, which indirectly or eventually benefits Malaysian SMEs to be part of the MNE supply chain, and from there that that helps them to build the credentials and open up. So that's something that's uh, often um, underestimated. You know, every time people say, "Oh, when you have an investment, it benefits the 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 economic numbers, it benefits the employment numbers," but it doesn't stop there. It also benefits the local supply chain in a, in a in a in a great way so i think those themes will continue in 2024 um um on around the key sectors um um on 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 tax incentives yeah so that's so it's not just new taxes we also have incentives and incentives are in a way you can view it as a um, a subsidy to a business cause, if you like, by way of um, yeah. by way of tax. And but then there are some, hopefully, more the ripple effects from that. Uh, provide hopefully provide more value in the longer run. I think that's always the theory behind it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so Tinesh, I went through some of the key topics earlier, but very briefly, of course. So could you recap some notable some of the notable key themes in the tax space from twenty twenty three, and uh, that are that maybe businesses are uh, uh, should be tapping into to start the year on a positive note. Yeah, so we we have um, new incentives for um, automation capital allowance, uh, uh, um, ACA we call it. So when we talk about ESG, um, environment, social, uh, social, uh, social governance, sometimes people overlook the social part of it, right? So automation is there. The, the things like ACA is there to um, to 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 encourage um, Malaysians being employed in the right sector and to, to encourage um, automation and um, um, skill shortage issues. That's, that's about 10 million ringgit there, special allowance. Um, of course, we have the evergreen um, incentives, for example, double deduction on cost of remuneration of disabled employees, mm. uh, ex-convicts and, and, and those things to, to, to give them the... The, to give an, the employers um, um, a financial incentive to hire um, um, these potentially marginalised sectors of the society, um, so that's that's always um, there. Um, yeah, um, and uh, we also have um, renewable energy focus incentives. For example, companies that um, you know, if you lease um, cars for your directors, mm-hmm. you typically get only fifty thousand ringgit deduction. But with electric vehicles, you can go. If that's an electric vehicle, you can get up to three hundred thousand instead of just fifty thousand. So wow. that's that's there. <laughs> yeah. So I can expect a lot of C suites to and directors to be having uh, electric cars soon enough, lah. Huh? At this rate, Dinesh. Yeah. Uh, we uh, let's start off with one of the first taxes uh, that is kicked into gear. So that's some of the things to pay attention to and things that people can start on a positive note, lah. Huh? Okay, <laughs> but now um, just a few days ago, the low value goods tax came into place. Right, that's a ten percent sales tax on that's being levied on certain products. I think below five hundred ringgit, uh, which uh, came into force earlier this week. Talk to us about what this tax is and uh, who it's going to impact because it's different for consumers and different for businesses. 
taxes. Okay. So I, I want to clarify this. Uh, this is low-value goods tax. It's not low-income tax. So uh, <laughs> uh, because I hear some... Was well, this something some, you were hearing? Yeah, some were hearing analogy. You know, we have a T20 high tax and then M40 and then V40. No, it doesn't work like that it doesn't mm-hmm. work like that it's on low value goods right so first of all it doesn't apply to anyone who goes into a retail shop or if you go to a grocery store or you go to a market and buy things below 500 ringgit it doesn't it only applies to online shopping so it's only for online shopping if you think about who sits in the couch and mm. order either electronic gadgets mm. or toys or clothes online Everybody does. It's yeah. not just B40, perhaps more of M40 mm. than is B40. It, is it specifically for goods bought online from overseas buyers, uh, sellers? Precisely, mm. precisely. So it's um, so number one, for this new to be impacted by this new tax measure, I will call it, you have to be buying things online. Number two, your vendor has to be overseas. So in other words, if I go into an um, online shopping platform, there's so many on, on our mobile apps now. <laughs> so and if I buy... S- purchase a product and that's delivered, say, from China. Um, until 31st December, you do not have a tax on it, but moving forward, you would have it. Uh, but if it's, let's say, delivered from a, from a digital mall or one of the malls in, in KL, then the price should not be affected. So because the, effectively, they've handled the tax on their end already. And that, that has been the case all the while. Yeah. So that's why when we talk about... Th- actually, this is not a new tax. So this it's, is covering up uh, a loophole, essentially. Yes, I, I would not call this as a new tax. I would mm. call this as new tax measure because mm. we have always had sales tax. Yes. It's just that those days we thought that uh, things that come in by consignment, low-value goods are very difficult to administer, so we gave them an exemption for administrative ease. But now with um, with um, rise of online shopping, you're right, uh, it has become as if a loophole. So, uh, you know, principles of tax is not just for government revenue. Tax also has to have uh, certain principles like neutrality, fairness, and so on. So this is an uh, effort to reinforce neutrality in tax so that um, local industry players are not at a disadvantage. And very, very, you don't often see Malaysian industry players welcoming a tax. And you see that uh, in this case because it kind of reinforces the principle of neutrality in tax. So... Local retailers, when they import things in a container, they've been paying tax on the, at the import price. But things that were purchased online and um, delivered by consignment from overseas, they were tax-free. And now we're, we're kind of... Equalizing. Mm, Neutralising the, the tax um, Making it fairer, I guess, yeah. for the local businesses here. Because I guess one thing we've been seeing is all the 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 Chinese providers, uh, your thermos and all these different e-commerce platforms, AliExpress, uh, have been utilised for their cheap products, bringing them in. And then um, people have built businesses on this. But it impacts our local vendors and our local retailers mm-hmm. in that sense. Um, in terms of uh, the impact of the LVG, the low-value goods tax, um, what kind of impact can we uh, are you expecting to see on businesses in the long run? Uh, I think Malaysia is not alone. This is something that's um, become more of a regional trend. And um, it it neutralizes things. It brings a more stable and certain environment for, for, for businesses, particularly retailers. 
All right. Uh, Tinish, we're going to a few messages. When we come back, we'll talk about the uh, luxury goods tax. We'll talk about capital gains tax and a whole load of other things, including global minimum tax. Essentially, all the things that businesses need to know about taxes in 2024. Uh, So, Tinish, don't run away just yet. Folks, I've been speaking with Tinish Khanna, Executive Director at Tratax here on the Refresh Resource Centre. We'll be back in a few minutes. So keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Beating Fickle Mindsets, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Resource Center. I'm Roshan Kanesan. And 2023 saw the introduction and acceleration of a few key things in the tax space for businesses, including the SST increase, capital gains tax on the disposal of unlisted shares, the low value goods tax, which came into play earlier this month, or should I say three days ago, as well as the global minimum tax and the, uh, there was one more item, e-invoicing as well. Uh, the kickstart the year on Resource Center, we are getting into all the key tax things that businesses need to know in 2024 with Tinesh Khanna, Executive Director at Tratax. Earlier, we dived into the low-value goods tax along with some of the incentives and opportunities available for businesses this year. Um, Tinesh, now let's get into the opposite of the low-value goods tax, the high-value goods tax, uh, previously known as the luxury goods tax. It's supposed to kickstart in May this year, and the rate has been, lobbed, I think, has been noted at between 5 and 10%. Um, what what do we know about the luxury goods tax luxury goods tax so far? So um, we know very little very little about luxury goods tax to be honest. Mm. Um, conceptually, it's a good good concept to to, to impose like a super tax on um, certain certain luxury goods um, luxury items um, instead of implementing um, GST that could. Um, the timing of which is highly debated. <laughs> um, yeah, so conceptually it makes sense from a very broad perspective. But then when you get to the um, operationalization of it, it's not necessarily very straightforward. Given that we don't have um, a retail level tax at the moment, we have um, only taxes at the stage of importation or manufacturing. So. Um, we don't have the exact scope of goods covered. It was some, you know, some non-exhaustive examples were given by the prime minister in his announcement earlier about luxury watches and so on. But till date, we don't have the exhaustive list of goods that are in scope and the implementation mechanism. It was initially announced to be implemented in 2023, mm-hmm. but now it has been moved to 2024. Um, I do foresee some challenges and uh, it remains to be seen uh, whether it sees the light of the day. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess uh, stay tuned, uh, keep it here to find out more. And definitely that will be a development we'll be keeping an eye on as well. More importantly, this year, Dinesh, capital gains tax. Uh, We talked about this back in November, uh, but that's also a few months ago and many, many uh, different uh, festivities ago as well. Uh, We talked to you about the capital gains tax on private listed shares at that point. Uh, introduced supposed to be introduced on first uh, of March, but also there's a first of January element as well. So as a as a refresher, before we dive in, break it down for us and what kind of updates we've had since our conversation. So um yeah, we had a very detailed conversation yeah. on this. Actually, earlier. sorry, yeah. So if anyone wants to hear that lengthy conversation, just look go up to any podcast player or the BFM app or website and look for what you need to know about Malaysia's incoming capital gains tax, and you'll be able to listen to that full. 30, 40 minute conversation that we had on the capital gains tax. And uh, finish over to you for a refresher on it. All right. So we, we, we said they'll cover two things. One is foreign foreign capital gains tax that applies to all kinds of assets. 
at the prevailing tax rate, which, which could be 24% with the disposal as a company. Um, and then we had the domestic CGT for all the domestic... Um, domestic CGT was only for unlisted shares. Mm-hmm. The tax rate was uh, 10% and we had a transition rate of um, 2%. And both of these had different go-live dates. Um, so the go-live date for foreign CGT was 1st January 2024, which is a few days ago. Uh, for domestic CGT, when we spoke the last time, I said there is an... Um, professional bodies engagement mm-hmm. where the, the ministry has promised um, the go-live date to be 1st March. So good news, last Friday, those details were gazetted, were made into law. So for domestic uh, CGT, there's an exemption uh, for the first two months. So the go-live date will be 1st March. Uh, but during this tax holiday period, it still, uh, it still appears you have to do certain filing requirements still applies. And um, also this two-month period, process and um, unique opportunities for businesses to restructure, particularly um, property-rich groups, mm. uh, maybe property developer, maybe even be in, in any, any sector, even healthcare sector, education sector, if you want to, um, if you want to have a neater group structure or restructure the property holding companies into a separate intermediate holding company and so on and so forth, these two months uh, possess a very um, unique opportunity <laughs> um, uh, you know some of the opportunities are it's a bit ironic when you have a new tax but in the way of new tax you have a unique uh, tax opportunity that you didn't have before mm. particularly for property rich groups and, and why particularly property rich groups uh, in this particular example what does the restructuring help them do yeah so so this two-month tax holiday applies to everyone, yeah. um, both property and non-property companies. It's just that for property-rich companies, all the while you might have wanted to do some certain things that in the past you couldn't do because of RPGT. That applies when you change shareholding of property-rich companies, mm-hmm. what we call as that. In technical terms, we call them RPC companies. And for these two months period, that seems to be a tax holiday period, um, uh, where 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 certain things can be done, um, like a golden opportunity. Right. And uh, as a refresher as well, again, people can listen to the full conversation we had in November for more details on the capital gains tax. But maybe give us a brief refresher on the critical or the key, the material impacts that the CGT may have on businesses of various sizes, right? right. And uh, I guess, because um, there are a few exemptions there as well. Yeah. So certainly um, doesn't apply to individuals. So mm-hmm. if an individual is selling shares, doesn't so apply. An individual founder who owns his shares on his in his own name, or uh, that's he doesn't have to worry. He or she doesn't have to worry. Correct. Correct. But if they own it through a corporate entity, then they may need to think about it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that's there, and uh, um, there are also certain exemptions in place for IPOs if you want to get into a. Um, the local bursts. The local bursts yes. and so on. But details of that are not out yet. Mm. It'll be interesting if you are trying to seek listing outside Malaysia in a foreign stock exchange. But if origins in Malaysia, then restructuring gets mm. a bit more um, um, delicate. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think the third one is also venture capital companies have an exemption, correct? For domestic, yes. For domestic. Um, and in terms of uh, any material impacts, do you, is there anything that you'd like to just highlight before we move on to e-invoicing? Um, 
I think that's about the key updates. I think the rest we have covered it in the earlier podcast. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's then pivot our attention over to e-invoicing, which will be, is going to be a key development here. Uh, it's going to be implemented in three phases uh, from August 1st this year to July 2025, which I would, I'm going to repeat is an acceleration from the previous timeline that was uh, that was put out earlier last year. I think it was when e-invoicing was first put out. Walk us through uh, these three stages and what, they, why, what it entails and why it's important that businesses take note of this? Okay. So conceptually, e-invoicing means that um, before a business issues an invoice to its customer, you have to get a validation from the tax office, LHDN, before you issue the, that invoice. So this has been made a requirement into the law, mm-hmm. Income Tax Act, um, and that has been, you know, the amendment has received royal assent last week, so that's already the law. In terms of timelines, it depends on the turnover of the company for businesses with um, um, uh, annual turnover exceeding 100 million ringgit. The go-live date is 1st August 2024 this year. Um, um, for 25 million and above, that would be 1st January um, 2025. And um, and um, for everyone else, it'll be uh, mid of 2025. So... Um, let me put it this way. The, the, the idea of um, e-invoicing, what we're trying to achieve is, of course, there's, there's this efficiency component and so on and so forth. But ideally, the tax office also wants to have real-time data of these transactions to close any tax compliance gap. Mm. So that, you know, the, 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 they, they have the tax data and everybody pays the fair share of tax, right? So, Roshan, let's say, let's say tomorrow you take over um, as a CFO of an um, SME company. Okay. Okay. Congratulations. Let's, let's call it uh, RK Corporate. Okay, RK SME. Okay, settle. Okay, RK SME. Then you go in Very there. Very creative name. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, okay. I'm the new CFO of RK SME. All right. And then you realize that, okay, um, you look at the invoicing implementation timeline and you look at your turnover. Your turnover says... 20 million turnover. Mm. So 20 million turnover, the e-invoicing go-live date would be would be... Um, Later this year. No, next year. Uh, next year, mid of next year, mid of 2025, right? Mm-hmm. July 2025. But you should also ask, how was our compliance in the past years? Mm. Do you notice any anomaly? If you notice any anomaly um, in the compliance or the way reporting were done in the previous years, then as a new CFO, you have to act on this to take corrective actions, right? And you know, once, even though your go-live date for you to issue e-invoicing starts only in 2025, your suppliers may be issuing e-invoicing to you from August this year. Mm, because they may be bigger companies with bigger turnover. Exactly. So that means that the tax office will have a digital footprint of your, you, you create a digital footprint for your purchase transactions um, as early as May. And some you may even go on a pilot project that starts a few months earlier, right? Mm. And of course, if you're, you cannot have such a steep difference in activity um, unless it's explainable. So if you notice any shortcomings in previous year's compliance, then I would say you have to act now because the voluntary disclosure program that's available expires in May this year. So if you, Roshan, as the CFO of uh, our um, RKSME, <laughs> you, if you look at the e-invoicing guideline, it seems that you may have until um, until mid of 2025, but actually you don't because for any shortcomings, you want to make good and move forward with fresh records, you have to do that 
by May uh, because the voluntary disclosure program um, that is also that also involves LHDN and customs RMCD expires on 31st May. So I, I hope businesses see the connection of the various tax programs instead of looking at them in in isolation. Because if you wait until um, until um, mid of 2025 to take any corrective action over the uh, past shortcomings, that may be too late. And so. Uh, and uh, even though my company is smaller and I technically only officially need to start later on uh, next year, um, the problem is that I will need to now look back at my own, the way I've been doing my invoice, my invoicing to make sure there are no, as you put it, anomalies, make sure everything is on track and by the book so that I, if there is anything that may have gone wrong in the past or was not up to snuff, I can take I can utilize these voluntary disclosure program to settle my taxes once and for all before we move into this digital era, era for invoicing. Exactly. And the voluntary disclosure program gives you a audit free, penalty free um, opportunity to clear up. So, you know, e-invoicing is coming. So very tight timeline. And you also have to take any corrective actions for past if there is shortcoming. Mm. And what if, uh, Roshan, um, you're, you are appointed as the CFO of... Uh, um, RK um, MNC, right? okay. <laughs> which um, happen to have top-notch compliance. There's no doubt about any any shortcoming. Very good internal control. But then you have dozens of transaction types. Mm. So then you have to start having conversation with your IT guys to see our IT readiness because you might have multiple uh, multiple invoicing systems and how do you get them all e-invoicing ready on time mm. and do you use a middleware or you don't and all, all those decisions have to be made you have to make budget for this implementation if you're more than 100 million by august this year but above that above that i want to emphasize on this um i think this is about time most businesses have moved from are moving or graduating from the awareness phase to the actual implementation phase. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had the opportunity to assist um, some companies from different industries in the last few weeks, uh, not month, maybe months actually, some of them months, some of them weeks into the e-invoicing uh, implementation journey. And what I'm now beginning to realize is it's not just the IT thing, right? It is reminding me of the GST implementation experience mm. because you have to look at your transactions and you have to determine for each of these transactions, do we issue e-invoice or do I issue a self-bill e-invoice? Does my vendor give me invoice? What happens when I pay dealers? And um, and what happens for non-monetary incentive? What about vouchers? So, so many different um, um, aspects to it. So, of course, you have to get IT involved, but IT can only take care of the IT aspects of it. There's a fair bit of work for finance to also do to determine the the e-invoice treatment on various types of um, transactions. So, e-invoicing is going to be transactional. If you look at other countries, um, e-invoicing is part of what we call as uh, uh, VIDA. VIDA is an abbreviation for VAT in digital age. Mm. Uh, In Malaysia, of course, we don't have VAT. So, e-invoicing is implemented by LHDN. But... Um, from my personal experience of doing for a number of uh, MNC companies, it has it has given me a very good reminder of how uh, we do a transactional tax implementation. E-invoicing is not a new tax; it's just that you have to issue, determine, and determine the correct treatment and and get the systems ready and so on. But uh, there's a fair bit um, of this process that reminds 
of um, um, a transactional approach. Finish. we've got to go into a few messages when we come back. We'll talk about SST and the global minimum tax as well. Uh, folks, I've been speaking with Dinesh Kana. He is the ex- uh, executive director at Tratex. And we've been talking about everything that businesses need to know about taxes in 2024. Some of the headlines here include uh, the increase to SST, capital gains tax on, the, on unlisted shares, uh, the low value goods tax, as well as e-invoicing, which we just touched on. Up next, we'll talk about the global minimum tax as well as the increase to SST. So keep it here to Resource Center on BFM 89.9, the business station. Brave Finance Managers, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, welcome back to Resource Center. I'm Roshan Kanesan, and to kick off the year here on Resource Center, we're getting into the ever-exciting topic of tax items that all businesses need to know about in 2024. And helping me with this conversation has been Tinesh Kana, Executive Director at Tratax. We've talked about the capital gains tax on disposal of unlisted shares uh, earlier in the show. We talked about the low-value goods tax as well, which came into play earlier this week on uh, items bought online on some items bought online from overseas sellers and earlier just before the break we talked about e-invoicing and how it may be a lot more work and you may need to get into it a lot more earlier than you thought you may have needed to do so. Uh, Dinesh, let's talk about SST because from the budget 2024 announcement, the Madani government or the Anwar Ibrahim-led government said they'll be increasing the service tax component to a rate of 8% for all services, excluding food and beverage, as well as telecommunication services. And that'll be effective uh, in a few new sectors in about seven weeks' time. That's about March 1st. For those who are unaware of this, is there anything uh, of note that you'd like to highlight before we dive deep into it? Yeah, as you correctly pointed out, um, uh, I think at basics, not all services are subject to service tax mm. at the moment. There's a positive list of services. Of those, most of it will increase to 8%, except uh, FNB, Telco and uh, Parking, one more. The uh. rest will all increase to um, 8%. And also we have a um, few sectors added into the scope of service tax. That includes things like um, karaoke at 8%. That was... Um, and um, guarantee services outside financial sectors, um, uh, um, food delivery, and most importantly, logistics. Logistics uh, also was not previously was exempted from uh, service tax, uh, but from 1st March, they'll be included. Just that logistics will be at 6% instead of 8%. Um, and yeah, so it, that, and that could have some, in, some interesting downstream effects as well, couldn't it? Yeah, exactly. Because um, I, I think the most important change in my personal view is not so much of the increase from 6 to 8, it's more of the imposition on logistics. Mm. Even though logistics is 6%, is 0 to 6. And yeah. logistics is a very big term. It affects, um, it affects well, a, a, fair, a, 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 a fair portion of anything that we buy from the supermarket for the products. Uh, product costing, fair bit goes into logistics costs. Mm-hmm. And uh, logistics may not only be delivery, may also include other components, certain warehousing, for example, details of which has not been announced. Mm. It will also affect um, competitiveness of our exporters because whenever we have FDIs and all, we are talking about it being export-oriented. So um, a lot of um, export-based businesses have invested in Malaysia and in every other country that they invest in, they have a GST VAT equivalent. So any GST VAT that they incur on the logistics cost is recoverable. Whereas now... If they make something in a factory and they transport it um, to the port, 
that transportation cost is logistics and i really hope that the policymakers would have um some exemptions around this to maintain the competitiveness um to for our export market on one hand and investors and the other hand um to make sure there's not much of cascading effect on price of products the other one that uh, that caught my attention as well is food delivery which is also i guess it's a related to the logistics as well right but on a more b2c scale as opposed to a b2b scale so let's see how that plays out as well food i mean if everyone's using uh, some kind of food delivery app this could be a cost that comes into play as well um mm. anything else that we should be watching out in terms of ssd in terms of the uh what businesses should be preparing for right so comes to business right i think you have to be very careful in terms of uh, two things timing and system mm. right so um so timing wise what happens if you collect a mobilization fee now and bulk of the work you do say 80% after first march do you then have to go and ask for a top up of the 2% from the from your client so we don't have clear answers for this as of today uh but these are things that has to be thought about you uh the the simplistic assumption of using the tax rate at as of the date of raising invoice may or may not be appropriate so that has to be thought about what happens if you have a payment first uh invoicing and payment first and work uh performed later post first march where there's a different tax rate regime so that uh, and 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 what happens if it's reverse what happens if you've done bulk of the work in 2023 mm-hmm. and you overlooked the invoicing <laughs> and if you're going to do the invoicing mid 2024 would you be in a position of having to use a higher tax rate and then would your customer blame you for not invoicing sooner at a lower tax rate so this a lot of this uh the, um 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 operational aspects that you have to pay details which may not have mattered in the past but now it makes 2% difference on your pricing so you have to pay close attention to those things one two is system has to be agile so you might always have a situation say for example i talk about um selling something to your um distributor selling something to your retailers you typically have this situation where you keep on invoicing and then end of a campaign period you raise a credit note for it so what happens if you have an invoice in january that has had a um um say say for 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 service sector a 6% rate and then you have another invoice in post first march at a 8% rate and then you have to issue a credit note in april you have to be careful that credit note re- relates to which of these two invoices and use the correct tax rate and the system readiness must be there for that as well so a lot of operational things to look at carefully to prevent dispute between uh customer and uh vendor and this will likely be around again that date right in terms of the implementation date when the invoices are issued versus when the so there are going to be a few things to pay attention to in terms of your system versus your customer or your supplier's systems as well yes yes and i mean simple example what happens if you buy a license today mm. just buy a license today from that covers you from january to december and you have already paid for it would you then because you've paid for 12 months you've subscribed it by december and paid for it would your customer come to you later on and ask you to pay the top up 2% for the 10 months portion or not right mm-hmm. now we don't have an answer because customs has not issued the transitional guideline on this yet but these are uh, matters these are things that the businesses should watch watch out for Um the other thing that's always seems to be on the radar at some point or the other uh, the nation's GST will it come will it go you know is it is it here is it there it's always some rumor or not 
um, every t- every year at budget, it's like, oh, we need GST back. Oh, we can't have GST back uh, between the different uh, uh, commentators there. Uh, talk to us, I guess, about whether what your views are on whether we need GST, whether we don't need GST. Mm-hmm. And also, because earlier during the e-invoicing uh, conversation, there were some um, similarities in terms of what e-invoicing could do on the making transactions transparent, which, which GST did uh, to a large extent. So I guess talk to us about your overall notes on GST and where you stand. Um, um, I think we're, I think you got the point right there. That's a, <laughs> that's a, that's a very interesting observation, Roshan, I must say. Mm. Because we might be the first country to have already implemented e-invoicing before GST. Every other country have implemented GST, VAT first. Added tax. GST or value-added mm. tax. And when they implement GST or VAT, one of the biggest push factors is to reduce the under-tax economy. And then they said, okay, let's now bring this to the next level, which is VDA, VAT in digital age, which includes e-invoicing, that further reduces the, 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 the under-taxed um, economy. Now that you've already implemented e-invoicing, uh, would... Would a subsequent um, um, implementation of GST bring such a benefit or not? That's very, very questionable. We might have to be the first country to explore that, to, to explore that um, um, position. Yeah. So something else to keep an eye on. Uh, Dinesh, we've got a few more minutes left here. I, I want to talk about the global minimum tax or the GMT. That's a, another key tax proposal, which involves companies paying a minimum effective tax rate of 15% in every country in which they operate and the government plans to implement the GMT in 2025. Uh, enlighten us about how the system could work and who it will likely impact. Okay, so it, um, GMT, we're talking about 750 million euro or above global turnover. So you're right, as you rightly pointed out, to avoid the race to the bottom, we have a minimum 15% tax. And if you have below 15% any, any jurisdiction, you have to pay the top-up tax. So countries are working with industries, countries around the world are working with industries to, to avoid, um, 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 un, um, you know, to, to have a pleasant investment climate that still meets all the investment uh, requirements and so on. So some countries, what they've done is they've said, okay, instead of giving you a full tax holiday for 10 years, maybe we look at giving you a half tax holiday for double the term <laughs> so that with a half tax holiday, your tax rate, instead of from 24% becoming zero, it becomes 24% to 12. And 12 is very close to 15. In that sense, you don't have that much of tax exposure. I think during 2024, very likely we will know what is Malaysia's position. Uh, will we be following suit to revamp tax incentives in that direction? Or will we take down the route of... Um, Grants that meet certain um, qualified requirements of the tax um, of the of the um, OECD, so that remains to be seen. That may be announced um, hopefully during the year twenty twenty four. How would the Malaysian government policy um, be to retain the the attractiveness of the investment climate? And to wrap up very quickly here, Dinesh, what is the what are the top one, two things that businesses should be paying attention to in terms of taxes this year? I mean, we've covered a lot of ground. Okay, we've covered quite a few. Um, I think one that I did not mention earlier mm. is transfer pricing. Okay. So transfer pricing, we had a new transfer pricing rules 2023. So if you're a December year-end company, then you'll be preparing transfer pricing document for 2023 during this year. And you've got to do it on a timely basis. Mm. Because if you don't get your transfer pricing documentation ready by July for a December year-end company, um, then there are penalties applicable. Um, even though your prices are, prices are at arm's length, 
for the simple fact of not having it prepared on timely basis, penalty would be applicable. And if you have had backlog of not preparing it the last two, three years, um, you got to get all those things uh, ready ASAP. Uh, and uh, so that's something new because of the new TP rules. And also the new TP rules gives a much narrower arm's length range. So what that means uh, for operational CFOs is for interco pricings uh, for 2023, you might have to relook at the pricing now. This is just the right time to do it. Okay. And if you are below the 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 new range, the new definition of the range, then you might want to do some year end adjustments, legitimate by issuing debt through up through down. We call it by issuing debit note, credit note, to meet the tax requirement before you close your accounts for good. And that has to be done like now this week. <laughs> so when I ta- when I title this podcast later, it should be what businesses and CFOs need to know about taxes in 2024. Uh, Dinesh, thank you so much for your time. It's always a pleasure speaking with you. Pleasure. Till next time. Uh, folks, I was speaking with Dinesh Khanna, Executive Director at Tratax, and we've been getting into all the things that businesses and CFOs need to know about taxes as we kickstart 2024. And you've been listening to the newly revamped Resource Center, your one-stop shop for strategies, tactics, and tools to better build, scale, and manage your business. If you miss any part of this conversation, you'll, ca- you'll be able to catch it on podcasts on our website, bfm.my, the app, uh, the BFM app, or wherever you get your shows, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or other podcast players just look up resource center i'm roshan kanison this has been resource center keep it here to bfm 89.9 the business station you have been listening to a podcast from bfm 89.9 the business station for more stories of the same kind download the bfm app